welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And there's a new wrestling show on Stars, a scripted drama called Heels, starring Stephen Amell, who you guys probably know from the CW series Arrow. He played Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow, on that show for eight seasons. He also wrestled in AEW. He also wrestled in WWE. And now he's playing one of the brothers who run a wrestling promotion in the new Stars show Heels. I got Steven on Talk is Jericho today. Finally, we've been talking about doing it for years, talking about his involvement in Heels and how his real-life wrestling experience has helped him bring this new character and this new show to life. We talk a lot about the real matches that Steven has had, once again, in WWE with Cody Rhodes and Neville and the feedback he got from Triple H after that show. You'll also hear about his interaction with Vince McMahon. Steven's also sharing the story uh, with about his match with the Young Bucks, Cody and Christopher Daniels at Ring of Honor. And then how he got involved in All In in Chicago a few years ago. Uh, he's been around for a while in the wrestling business. He's been a lifelong wrestling fan. And he grew up watching in Canada. Of course, we all watch wrestling in Canada as kids. He's got some favorite wrestlers and matches to discuss. And of course, we talk about the DC Universe, Green Arrow, the fans, the whole superhero comic book culture. Great conversation with Stephen Amell coming up. And more great Fozzie gigs coming up on the Save the World Tour. The first four shows were uh, incredible. Sold out, close to sold out, jam-packed. People went nuts enjoying the new song, the Vulture Club that we're playing. Uh, So it's been a really, really great start to the tour. And there are tickets left for the upcoming shows. We're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania tomorrow night, Thursday, September 9th. Tickets are almost sold out for that. So uh, go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket info. Then we got the Apotomat Talks, Virginia, the Blue Ridge Rock Fest with Anthrax and Rob Zombie. Uh, we got Baltimore at the Soundstage on the 11th. Pittsburgh at Jurgles is sold out on the 12th. Buffalo Ironworks on the 13th. That one is very close to selling out. So get your tickets at FozzyRock.com and go check out all the rest of the dates. And VIP, There's uh, we opened up some more VIPs, so those are available now. So go check it out. Flint sold out. Cleveland sold out. Johnson City sold out. Uh, but there are tickets available for all the rest of the shows. Through Fire, Royal Bliss are joining us for the dates. FozzyRock.com, all the ticket info and VIP meet and greet info as well. Most are sold out, but you might get lucky, so check the website. And speaking of sold out, our UK tour is almost completely sold out starting November 30th. Uh, actually, 29th in Liverpool now at the Cavern Club. 30th in Manchester, England is almost sold out. But go check out Fozzy Rock and see all the places we're going. Newcastle, Glasgow, Dublin, Belfast, Birmingham, Wales, London, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All tickets and information, once again, at FozzyRock.com. All right, let's get to Stephen Amell and Heels right here on Talk is Jericho. So, actually, it's been a long time coming. It's funny because uh, the way that you're actually friends with someone nowadays is you talk to them on Twitter and you DM people. And I, we were trying to set this up, and I DM'd you, and I saw the last time that you and I had uh, spoken was like 2016, talking about doing this podcast. So yeah. this is a this is one that we've been waiting for for a long time. So it's good to finally have you here, as we're obviously both such busy guys. Yes. Well, thank you. We'll jump right into heels because I watched the first episode. It was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it, and to me. And quite honestly, it's a story that I've actually even been pitching for a while before Heels even was was uh, became a show. It's so obvious to me that somebody would do a show like this, but it's not something that's easy to sell because people don't understand exactly what goes on behind the scenes in wrestling. And to me, just like 
I don't know, if you're talking about uh, Entourage and how it is in Hollywood, if you're talking about like, I don't care a thing about horse ranching, but I love Yellowstone with Kevin Costner because it's all about the family and the drama behind it. So how did you become involved with this show first and foremost, because it is such an interesting topic and subject? Well, the simple answer is that they offered it to me. And, <laughs> right. But the, I mean, the longer answer is that it's, it's a project done by Michael Waldron, who uh, just wrapped up his first season of Loki, is doing the new Doctor Strange movie, is doing some of the Star Wars stuff and the Marvel stuff coming, coming about. I mean, he grew up in Georgia. He wrote the show. He fleshed it out. He came up with a great idea. It reads well on the page. And they offered it to me. And but they found me because of I I, be, I believe because of some of the stuff that I got to do in wrestling back in 2015 2016 when you and I were DMing on Twitter for the first time. <laughs> that that's it. I, I wish I wish there was more like something more profound. Like I had an epiphanous moment, and I came up with it. But it was all <laughs> on the page. It was it was all on the page. It was all there. They offered it to me, and I suggest. So it's interesting because I thought maybe that you might have been involved in the actual creation of the show, and I know that that's not the case. But you do have such an affinity for wrestling, and you have had wrestling experience. So it's a perfect mix to have you on that show. Well, thank you. I, I mean, it, it was I, I I'm not involved in the creative process, but I have been able to allow the producers to and the showrunner to lean into me. Because I've had moments in the professional wrestling world that not a lot of people are privy to, um, be it being backstage. I mean, I one of the moments that I uh, think about a lot, and pardon me if this is kayfabe, but like chatting with you and Kevin after your match at Mania in Orlando back in, I guess it would have been 20... 16? 17? Yeah. 17, yeah. Yeah, to talk with two wrestlers backstage after, you know, having a match in front of 70,000 people and I looked at both of you and I thought you guys tore the fucking house down and both of you were being hypercritical of yourself and talking and <laughs> going through it and I just I these are moments that not a lot of people get to have so um you know when we got back into when we got into the show and we got into some of the backstage stuff, I was just, I don't know, I was able to lean on some of those things. It's almost kind of method in a lot of different ways. Sure. You know, I, I don't know. I try to stay away from that word. Are you, a, <laughs> it's like, are you, a, are you being method when you're a heel in the business? I don't think so. Well, what is your affinity for wrestling? Cause obviously, like we said, you've been, uh, you've appeared in WWE, you've appeared in AEW, you've worked in both companies. Kind of how did you get involved on that side of things? Well, it was, it was my thing starting in about 86 or 87. I, it, I was a uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. Perfect and Jake the snake. And, um, you know, I, I distinctly remember going and watching WrestleMania five on closed circuit TV at Maple Leaf gardens at the hot <laughs> stove lounge. Nice. And then actually being in the building for WrestleMania six. And then your, your fandom kind of ebbs and flows you know, so I got out of it a little bit, but then got back to it during the Attitude Era and then got out of it a little bit again. But then you wind your way back when all of a sudden you become friends with a guy like Cody Rhodes. And all of a sudden you're at Nassau Coliseum at a Monday Night Raw and you're thrust into things. And that's it. I mean, 
I feel like you probably hear that story a lot of someone's like, I was a lifelong fan. You know, sure, I took like a two or three year sabbatical, but then I came back. Just like you actually in the professional wrestling world. Then you're you're all you're all the way you're all the way in, and you take a little sabbatical, and then you come back. <laughs> but you're never really all the way out. But it's no, funny though, I, I I went to uh WrestleMania four in Toronto at Maple Leaf Gardens, they had it on closed circuit. Yeah. And I was there, I went there with my friends. For, on a big screen, right? On a big screen. Yeah, this was like the pre-pay-per-view where instead of ordering it to watch at your house, you would buy a ticket and go watch it on a big TV screen at the gardens. And I, I went there with a couple of my friends for spring break. We're like, we got to go to WrestleMania 4, dude. <laughs> and Toronto, with, Toronto was always a big wrestling. That's where you're from, right? It's Toronto? Yeah, th- th- and that's the first wrestling show that I went to. The first wrestling show that I went to was at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was a house show, and it was headlined by... Uh, I, I, I want to say it was Warrior versus Andre the Giant. The classic uh, one-minute match. Ne- I was there. I saw it too in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. clotheslined him once. He clotheslined him twice. He gave him the splash, one, two, three, and he ran out of the ring, and that was it. Everyone was just going, what just happened? It's over already? And, and by the way, like I, I feel like, was that the Honky Tonk Man match from – SummerSlam? No, that was Andre the Giant. What happened? Do I have to go home now, Dad? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So when when you ended up, like you said, so did you meet Cody? Was he doing something on uh, on Arrow, on Green Arrow? No, I mean Cody when he was doing the Stardust gimmick. The whole thing was that he was supposed to be a supervillain. Mm-hmm. So uh, he and I he followed each other on Twitter. True story. And there you go. We see. Okay, <laughs> we DM'd. And then he was like, come on. I was filming in New York at the time. And he's like, come on out. And I, I came out to Nassau Coliseum. It was the Monday Night Raw on the Monday of, of uh, Memorial Day weekend. And when I got there, I was just excited to have good seats for a show. And he said to me, he said, uh, Vince gave me permission to hiss at you during my segment. I went, okay. <laughs> and that, that was it. I mean, we, and we just became <laughs> friends from there. So was your first match... Was it a WrestleMania that you did something at, or was it a, a SummerSlam? What- SummerSlam 2015. And what was what, you actually were in a match, right? Yeah, it was me and uh, Neville versus Stardust and King Barrett. So kind of tell me about that, because to have your first match, and obviously first and foremost, you're acting, so you're not trained, quote-unquote, as a wrestler, but here you are kind of debuting at one of the biggest shows of the year, kind of a crash course did you get to be ready for that i went out to a house show in victoria bc on a saturday and worked in the ring with uh gosh cody was there kofi biggie big show was there paul was there arn anderson was helping us put it together Paige was out there as well and we just tried to fake it basically it's like what can you do well, I can springboard. Okay. Well, if Cody gives you a backflip, can you land on your feet? Yeah. And we just basically built out 10 to 15 beats for me and just ran them and ran them and ran them. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the house show the next day in Vancouver. And then I went to Raw the next evening in Everett, Washington. And then I had to take a week off because I went, I was filming at the time. And then I flew to Brooklyn for the Sunday night show. How was it for you to do a live kind of one take performance? Because I know I did something with Mickey Rourke at WrestleMania okay. 375, <laughs> whatever the hell it was. <laughs> and he, uh, he wanted to go over. It was, he was punching me in the face and he kept 
wanting to do it again and again and, and see what kind of an angle. And obviously coming from a trained actor's point of view where, you know, well, the, yeah. let me just try this way. Let me think of this. Way. I'm like, dude, there's one chance. Like there is no second take. And it was a little bit strange, I think, to get into the mode of like, this is completely live. If it's not completely perfect, there's no take two and there's no let's try it from this camera or that camera. Did you have the same kind of feeling or were you very more uh, naturally attuned? I understood that it was live, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I really can't overstate. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. It really, really was. Because when we were in Everett, Washington, so basically what the setup for the match was that you know, I was the the special guest at Raw. Cody comes down, he comes up to me, he face washes me, and then I jump in the ring. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to hop the barricade, I wanted to jump on the apron, hop over the top rope, and then tackle him. Right. And Road Dog was booking the segment for us. And he was like, Well, all right. It, He's going to face wash you, but then hop the barricade, slide under the bottom rope. And I went, no, I want to jump up on the apron. I want to hop over the top <laughs> rope. And he goes, no, 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 slide under the bottom rope. And I went, no. And I looked at Cody. And I'm like, what the f- man? And he said, Rodok said, he goes, look, you can jump up on the apron if you want. You can fly over the top rope if you want. But if you miss the jump to get on the apron, or you miss going over the top rope, you do not have a match at SummerSlam. Hmm. I get it. And that's when I realized that it was live. And that's the, if, if there's one thing that I want to take back from that match, it's that I was so nervous when I actually got in the ring at SummerSlam that I, I legitimately forgot to get in the ring. Like when you see me come out, you'll <laughs> notice that I forget to get in the ring. Whereas, in, whereas when I was in Everett, Washington on Raw, it was just like I literally just went for it and shoulder tackled him and and tried to hammer his face and cut him because that's also what Road Dog told me to do. But I always understood that it's like this is live, and if I forgot it, I wasn't the first one in the ring at the match at SummerSlam. But I could hear people in the crowd in Brooklyn being like, "You scared? <laughs> you want to get in there? You can't wrestle, buddy." And I remember wanting to turn around going, I haven't even gotten in the ring yet. But, but I, I was I was very aware that there was no take two. But the thing is, you, you have respect for the business, obviously, because you came up as a fan and you are a fan. And we, we went through the Raw, probably was 2008 or nine, where we would have guest, celebrity guest hosts for the week, like Saturday Night Live kind of. And you would get, because I was funny, I just watched Dusty Hill just passed away from, from ZZ Top. And I watched a segment that we did when they guest hosted in you can tell they're having so much fun. They get it. They respect the business. So there's a kind of a mutual society there. And then there's a lot of guys who came in that were just doing it. You could tell because they were told to be there by the publicist. And that kind of puts like, oh, really? You know, so but I think it would seem to me because you have respect. It's like me going on to a, a, a movie set. Like, I know that I'm a little bit over my head, but if I do the right thing, I'll do a great job. But if you come in with kind of like a know-it-all mentality, you're probably not going to succeed very well. So it seemed to me that you probably fit in pretty well with the guys and with everybody because you do have that respect. Well, thank you. And I do. And from Cody's perspective, Cody was like, yeah, you're good. You can walk into any locker room anywhere in the world and you're going to be respected as a wrestler. And I was like, why is that? He goes, because when you came on the road with us, you changed in the locker room. Yeah. And you didn't ask for your own space. And I was like, right. Well, that seems pretty simple. But 
am I am I wrong? Like apparently that's a that's a that's a big thing. You know, there's a whole strange, and I'm sure you kind of focus because we'll talk about. You also work for Ring of Honor as well, which I forgot. You've been through all the companies, but there, it's not even strange. There's there's a certain kind of code of ethics that you follow uh, in the wrestling business, but there's not a, a, a book to hand out to guys or like someone who's going to sit you down and go, here's Stevens, what you got to do if you want to, you know, so a lot of people do come in and probably don't even think twice. Of course, I've got my own dress room because I'm, you know, the lead on a TV show. Why wouldn't I have my own trailer? But it's not like that in wrestling. And, and you really do have to kind of prove yourself to the guys that you're one of the guys. Yeah. I got to know a couple of members of the Toronto Blue Jays a couple of years ago, and they were nice enough to have me for, for batting practice. And, you know, I went out, took batting practice, and I was with a group of like five guys. And uh, after batting practice was over, all the players started running out and started collecting some of the balls that were ricocheted off the, off the netting or whatever that just didn't yeah, go yeah. very far. And I was just standing there for a second. And my buddy on the team looked at me because I, I didn't know. He, he goes, don't fucking big time us. Come out, pick up the balls with us. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I went and did it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the same thing. Although I suspect that more often than not, like when I was with the WWE, they definitely tried to give me the star treatment. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I want to hang with the, with the boys and girls and, I, and pick their brains. Apparently, that's an important thing, which I'm happy about. It really is. So let's talk about the matches that you had with Cody as he worked various promotions after he left WWE. You were part of a lot of those, including Ring of Honor. But we'll do that after I say thanks to one of my favorite breakfasts, Magic Spoon Cereal. Starting my day with Magic Spoon's protein-packed, delicious cereal gives me the energy I need to get everything done. Look what happened Sunday at AEW All Out. I ate a bowl of Magic Spoon blueberry cereal that morning, and MGF is defeated that evening. Thanks, Magic Spoon, for saving the career of Le Champion. Magic Spoon is zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Uh, only 140 calories as well. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and you can build your own custom box or get a variety pack with available flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. Even better news is that Magic Spoon is bringing back two of their most popular flavors permanently, Cookies and cream and maple waffle. So those are back on track. Uh, so go to magicspoon.com slash Jericho. Grab your delicious cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use my promo code Jericho at checkout to save five bucks off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Get your delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Jericho. Use the code Jericho. Save $5. Uh, go to Magic Spoon uh, once again. Thank you for supporting Talk is Jericho Magic Spoon and being the breakfast of Le Champion. So did you kind of just follow Cody around as for, free, for not following around, but like it seems like when he went to Ring of Honor, that was your next appearance was was in Ring of Honor. And when he went to AEW, your next appearance, is he kind of calling you saying, hey, dude, I got an idea for you to do something with us? Is this more you reaching out? I going, mean, he and I did our thing in 2015 with WWE. And we were we were hoping to have an additional match at a pay per view. I think the paper, not the pay per view after SummerSlam, but the the one thereafter. It was supposed to be in LA, and it was going to be a singles match, and it just got yanked for reasons that remain a mystery. But we stayed in touch, and then he did an arc on Arrow, 
And so we stayed in touch there. And this is when he was going through the whole independent circuit and right. created his list of people that he wanted to that he wanted to wrestle. And we just stayed in touch. And then when All In came around, which was after Ring of Honor, again, we had just stayed in touch and we were just we were just buddies. So it, it would just come out of us. I mean, he stayed at my house in LA for a little bit when when I, when I wasn't there. It was him and Brandy <laughs> that were there and I wasn't there. But we just, I don't know, we just stayed in touch and stayed buddies and, uh, you know, still are. One more thing about, about SummerSlam. Did you have any interactions with uh, with Vince McMahon at all? Other than him walking out of his room and saying, well, this is real exciting and shaking my hands. No. <laughs> Which bummed me out because if there, was, if there was one guy, one guy that I really wanted to meet, it would have been Vince. I feel like, I, I, yeah. It is a, a, a lot. A larger than life character for sure, and that's something very uh, Vince. Can I ask you a question? What was sure. what was your first what was your first interaction with Vince like? Because I I saw on because we're coming up on I I I believe, and I, I'm sorry if I'm sorry if I'm dating you here, but I I feel like I follow the on this day in WWE history, and I feel like we just hit the 20 year mark on your debut. We did in Chicago. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So, but tell me, please. So I was living in Calgary at the time and uh, I was working for WCW and Calgary had this big pay-per-view called the stadium. I can't remember. It was something stampedes, stampede something or other. It was one of the famous. As in like, as in like stampede wrestling? No, no, no. It was a, it was a WWE pay-per-view in Calgary. And the main event was the Hart Foundation when there was five of them against Austin and the Road Warriors and Gold Dust and, Somebody, Ken Shamrock, it was a really big deal. And the crowd was, I remember, they were just crazy. So I went down there just to, you know, I always wanted to work for WWE and I was working for WCW and I didn't really know anybody in WWE, but I was like, oh, I'll just go down there and just hang out and see. I got in trouble for it the next day from, from Eric Bischoff, but uh, I just saw Vince standing there and I, I, I didn't know what to say, but I was like, I want him to see me, you know, like do some of these pump ups with my arms and like, you know, try and look as big as I can. And I just, I remember I went up to him and I said, uh, are you enjoying? I said I'm Chris Jericho, and of course he probably went. This is, you know, this is very exciting, or whatever he told you. And then I said, <laughs> and then I said, uh, how how do you like my town? Like Calgary's my town, even though it's not. Like I'm from Winnipeg, and I lived in Calgary <laughs> for a few years. And I remember going, yes, I like Calgary very much. And then he was kind of doing something. He's like, I got to go to work. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I walked away. I remember you, I'm thinking like. Was that a good interaction? Was that a bad interaction? Is he going to call me tomorrow and ask me for a job? And is, of course, he had no idea who I was and didn't remember a damn thing. But <laughs> that was kind of the first time I ever met him. You know, you're scared, right? Like, what do you say? What do you do? Yeah, I didn't know what to do. Go ahead. <laughs> did you get good feedback from your SummerSlam appearance? I did. I, I, I did. From, you know, wrestling fans. I, I remember two things distinctly after. Well, I remember a bunch of things afterwards. One was uh, Seth Rollins coming in to congratulate me on my match and then sheepishly asking if he could use the restroom because, <laughs> because they actually did give me my own one. And he's going out, he's going out to wrestle Cena for the, I think it was, uh, he won two titles that night. I think it was for the United States Championship. I did a, a two sweet picture with, uh, with Triple H backstage. And he was, mm. and he posted it on his Twitter that just said respect. Mm. And the main thing that I'll never forget is walking back through Gorilla and getting an ovation. Mm. I'll never forget it. Like it just it it destroyed me. I was like, oh my god, 
this is so amazing. So the, the feedback, feedback was good. I faked it. <laughs> you know, I faked it and I made it. But that's kind of like, you know, when I worked with the Groundlings, I mean, you got some of the greatest improv comics on the world. And if you, yeah. you know, if you keep your mind open and keep your stick on the ice proverbially, you'll do okay because they can kind of help and lead you through it. Kind of the same yeah. as a wrestling match. Are you a hockey fan? Yeah, of course. I'm Like I said, I'm from Winnipeg. So well, there it is. I, okay. Yeah. Well, if you're out there with the Jets, okay, doesn't matter if, you, if you're wobbling on skates. If someone feeds you a perfect one-timer into an empty net, you can probably pot it, and then all of a sudden you scored a goal in the NHL. But I mean, yeah, if the play keeps going and you and you miss it, and you have to you have to skate backwards and play defense, you're going to get exposed. I, I so <laughs> yeah. they, they fed me the perfect pass. I one-timed it into the net, and then I got the fuck out of there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let me ask you this: You went to Ring of Honor as well, and you did a, the, the big match with the Elite. Was there a big difference between WWE and Ring of Honor, or for you, we're, we're now like it's your second match, or you get more into it and feeling more confident, or is it kind of the same as before, where you just want to make sure you don't mess up anything? I mean, that was a, that was an incredibly unique experience because I mean, it was I was with Cody, with Kenny Omega, with Matt and Nick, uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian. Oh my goodness, I'm going to forget someone along the way, but j just I mean we were the main event it was either five on four or six on five as a tag match and yeah five on four okay there it is and the whole thing was when we had our match at SummerSlam, it was like you guys have 13 minutes bell to bell or curtain to curtain i can't remember the expression in this one it was like how long are we going to go as long as we want period and the match was like i don't know 45 minutes it felt like so we just got to do whatever we want i got to interact with the crowd a little bit more and i really wanted to be i really wanted to be present for it and you know go in for quick bursts and then come out because as an amateur in this and as a newbie you blow up anytime you go into the ring <laughs> you just blow up because you forget to breathe and yeah. you get all stiff and I just really wanted to be present. And I, I couldn't be because the first thing that I did was get in the ring and I threw an RKO on either Chris Daniels or Frankie Kazarian. And I had never done an RKO before, let alone learn how to properly take a flat back bump. And I jacked my neck up so bad that I, I couldn't even hear anything for the rest of the match. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. I got on the apron. I get back out. I'm, I'm in and out in 18 seconds. And I get back out and I turn to to Matt of the Young Bucks and I go, is there steam coming off of my ears? And he goes, no, why? And I said, because I feel like there's steam coming off of my ears. My neck is so jacked up. And he goes, can you keep going? And I go, I mean, I can keep going, but the next several weeks are going to be really bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> there it is. But Ring of Honor was great. We, it was in it was in San Antonio. And, um, you know, they got me a, a Bullet Club tee with Vigilante Club on it, which I still see all the time at AEW and WWE shows, which warms my heart every time. Yeah. And we got to do like a little promo at the beginning with Cody and the crowd popped when I came out. And I mean, it was rad. I love those indie shows. Love them. 
So you're doing some of these matches while you're still working on your TV show, Arrow. I want to talk about how that worked. After a quick thank you to Geico for making this episode possible. Do you own or rent your home? I know if you do, you know it can be hard work. But you know what's easy is bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That is Geico.com. Did you, when you go to do these matches at the time, if you're working with Arrow, did you have to get kind of permission from your producers, employers to do it? Were they worried about your physical safety at all? Did they just say, go ahead and do it? I mean, was the expression, it's easier to... Uh, ask for, for forgiveness, forgiveness and ask, and ask for, yeah. for beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Right. I didn't ask. I just didn't ask. And when I had my match against Christopher Daniels at at All In, when I tried the coast to coast for the first time, I had prepped it, but I landed on my left hip, mm-hmm. and I suffered an occult fracture of it. And then, so that that event is on a Saturday. I believe. And then I have to go back to work on a Monday or Tuesday. And I had to go to everyone. I had to call up our EPs and our directing producer and say, I hurt my hip really bad. I've been to the doctor. I've talked with him about it. I can't make it any worse. You cannot treat me any differently. And we were doing a super stunt heavy episode of the show. And I'm like, I know that I up here. (laughs) <laughs> do not bring it up with anybody if you see me li- if you see me limping around that's fine as far as you're concerned i'm not injured mm-hmm. but i should have asked for it thereafter i just didn't even consider but then it. you just but then so then you just got to work your way through it on set with arrow and that's just the way it is that was it it sucked but what are you gonna do was there like for me with a lot of the work that I've done character wise and stuff, obviously it's very deep acting, you know, going back to the evil word of method and dropping in and all that sort of stuff. And I did use a lot of those techniques because in 2007, when I left WB 2005, 2007, I did study acting, not necessarily to, you know, become Schwarzenegger, but I really wanted to learn the craft and really applied a lot of that to future characters that I played. And I still do. Did you see any similarities between acting and, and wrestling that you were able to, to use? Yeah, a hundred percent. I thought a lot about actually the way that, the way that you interact with the crowd, the way that Kevin Owens interacts with the crowd, the way that Flair interacts with the crowd. And I, yeah, it's just the, the whole thing is, is theater. And the thing that I loved most about being on heels or just being in the, I didn't get to do this when I was actually in the ring because I was just I was just too nervous. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go back now because I feel like I could actually take <laughs> take a little bit of a breath and, and get some reps. But I mean, at the time, I couldn't think about any of those things. I, I couldn't. I could barely breathe. But I mean, it's the same. You go out there, you play a character, right? And and really go for it. What what'd you what do you think? Did you like acting? Oh, big time! Yeah, I mean, and I, 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 people say like, oh, I did a, like a couple of Kevin Smith movies last year, and oh, how long have you been acting for? And it's like I've been acting for freaking thirty years. I mean, you're playing the 100%. character of Chris Jericho every time you get. It's like Ozzy plays the character of Ozzy when he goes on stage to sing. There, there has to be a different of a, a persona shift when you do this because you are out in front of a crowd and it's show business, right? So, um, 
Yeah, I really always treated as playing a character. I always did. I tried to pitch them in the match, and it hit the cutting room floor, but I tried to pitch them in the longer version of the match that I have in the first episode with Big Jim that opens the first episode of Heels. I tried to pitch them on a pen where I, I fully ripped you off, where it's just I just put the one foot on top and go, mm -hmm. come on, baby, like that. And they're like, <laughs> They're like, no, no one would ever do that. And I, I pulled up footage. I pulled up footage of you doing it. And they're like, all right, well, you can't do it. Like, well, you have my full permission to use it. You tell those producers that move. Is that true? Yes, please. Okay, use it. thank you. Okay. <laughs> I actually got that move from, uh, I used to work in Japan and I was part of the evil heel faction called the Fuyuki Goon, which is team. And Fuyuki was the boss, and he used to do that. He'd put his foot on the guy, and he would just go, ah! and every picture <laughs> you ever saw of Fuyuki, he would be like, ah! so that was kind of my tribute to him. So I stole it from him, and you're welcome to, to steal it from me. <laughs> Last question about your about your actual wrestling time. You, I thought it was great. I was there at All In when you had your singles match against Cody. Now, once again, you went from a tag match to the 10-man tag, now you're in a single match, another completely different style uh, of wrestling that you had to kind of figure out and learn. Yeah. God bless Christopher Daniels for taking care of me in that match because, I mean, we had the whole thing. We had the whole thing planned out. Uh, I could probably recite it right now <laughs> offhand, but I want to say two, three minutes into the match after sort of the initial onslaught, I blew up to the point where I couldn't get a breath. I said to him, I, I said, take me home. Let's go home. I can't, I, I can't remember a thing. And he went, he went, shut the f up. I'll take care of you. And he just literally laid me on the ground and then just walked around the ring. Mm -hmm. And while he's doing this and taunting the crowd, he's telling me to breathe. And, and I finally sort of got my wits back about me, but it's so frustrating to go back and watch that match and look at like, I did the big table spot where, you know, obviously I, I set up the table and I jumped through and, and I miss, and I just think about like, I could have taken 45 seconds between him landing on the table, me climbing the ropes, looking out across the arena, like all that stuff. I didn't do that. I thought that I was going super slow. From the moment he gets on the table, I've climbed the ropes and crashed through the table in like <laughs> four and a half seconds, including, <laughs> including, my including my time in the air. And I just think back to before I went out at SummerSlam, just think back to to Hunter, Triple H coming up to me and going, if you think you're going too fast, just slow down. When you think you're going too slow, slow down more. And when you're absolutely positive that you're going way too slow, slow it way down. And it's such great advice. And I didn't listen to it at all. I couldn't. But isn't isn't that similar to delivering your lines? You know, like in, yes, in, if you're is. doing a scene, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The, the the best thing that I've learned about acting and the thing that I cherish most about where I've gotten in the process is that I'm actually able to slow down and to think and to react. And I'm in an elevated position and my adrenaline is surging because I'm on set and I'm doing a cool scene and something exciting is happening, but my, I'm still in my body mm -hmm. and I'm still able to listen and react and be thoughtful when I'm in the wrestling ring still to this point, it's all just white noise. 
outside of here. When I crashed to the table, I thought that I was laying on the ground, hyperventilating, so fired up. And I literally thought the crowd in Chicago was chanting, you arrow. Yeah. They were chanting broken arrow. When I went back and watched it, they were chanting broken arrow. But everything is so in my head. I think they're chanting you arrow. So for from an acting perspective, it, it took a really long time. And I'm I'm sure that you have a, probably have a similar story, be it in the acting uh, in the acting arena or in the arena arena. There was probably that one match or that one day on set where all of a sudden you just slowed down and you were yourself. Yeah. So I have that in acting. I have that in acting, not quite in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact the creativity of the broken arrow chant. That's actually pretty funny. That is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> First and only chant of broken arrow in a wrestling arena thus far. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, let's go back to heels um, and talking about kind of the story of the show. Because once again, like I mentioned, Yellowstone or Walking Dead is a great analogy uh, when I was trying to get my wife to watch it with me, and now we watch it all the time, I was like, this is not a show about zombies. It's a show where zombies is kind of the MacGuffin, if you will, the, the crux of the show. But it's really based on the families and the reactions of how people would you know, survive in this type of an apocalyptic situation. With heels, yeah, there's wrestling involved, and there's a lot of it, but it's more about... You know, the two main characters of Jack and Ace, they were brothers and their dad owned the, the wrestling company who passed away. Now you got to take it over. And I've worked for many Jack Spades uh, over the years. Oh, have you? Okay. A few times, a few times. So you know these types of, I know these types of guys. And it's just, the, 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 like I said, that element of it is, is what really stands out to me is about this family confrontation with wrestling as a background. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to love meth to enjoy Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, great you, call. Yeah. Or like or like plane crashes to enjoy Lost or incest to enjoy Game of Thrones. Like you're there <laughs> for the relationships. I, I think that that with heels it comes down to what happens in the ring is fun, but it's it's when you get behind the curtain. Like do you have a favorite, you know, feud that you went through in your career? I'm sure that you have several of them, but does one oh, yeah, pop there's, out? there's quite a few of them. Right? Well, I mean, the one I'm doing right now with, with MJF has been over almost a year. The one with Kevin Owens was great. The one I had with The Rock in the early 2000s was great. Yep. You know, basically a great, a great protagonist and a great antagonist. Right, but the things that made up those feuds and the reason that those are highlights is not necessarily because of stuff that you did in the ring. It's stuff that you guys did in order to build it and build up those emotions. Absolutely. Fans, right. Sure. So, so that's the thing, you know, heels, it's going to be fun for wrestling fans to see what we do in the ring. We do some really, we do some really fun stuff, but you care about it because of the things that go on behind the scenes and, of course. and the way that we build it up. So yeah, no, you're exactly right. And it's, it's the, it's a wrestling show, but the wrestling is the icing. It's not the cake. Do you feel like um, one of the, the the cool things about the role is that, like, once again, like I've only seen episode one and what a crazy spoiler alert finish. Like, oh my gosh, he turns on his brother, selfish bastard. So that he doesn't go to the big leagues with yeah. the weird looking guy who looks like he's in one of the Oak Ridge, He's one of the Oak Ridge boys or whatever the hell that guy's name is that comes from the big leagues. But you're almost playing the heel of the show. At least in that episode, you did. That's exactly right. 
By the way, that character uh, is, is Wild Bill, played by Chris Bauer. And at the uh, awesome. opening of episode, at the opening of episode four, he uh, he pulls a Ric Flair on a commercial flight. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking. I was thinking more <laughs> Michael Hayes of that guy. He reminds me of Michael okay. Hayes. <laughs> Uh, it, is it different for you? I mean, obviously, Arrow was such a hero, and you were and you were the lead of that show, a very successful show, and it's a superhero story. I don't know the, the, this character of of, of Jack uh, Spade, very conflicted. Like I said, comes off as the heel in the first. It, it, that must be kind of. Is it fun for you to play something a little bit completely different as an actor? I mean, obviously, probably yes, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. One of the reasons that we wrapped up Arrow was because I, I wanted I wanted to do something different. I feel like you've probably been through similar mm-hmm. similar moments in your life because you've ebbed and flowed through the wrestling industry, and it seems as though every time you come back, you've reinvented yourself in some way. So, in the same medium. I've done everything that I did. Everything that I could do as Oliver Queen as the Green Arrow, and I wanted to come in and do something different. So it's it's so much fun to just get out there and play. And the fact that we were able to execute this first season during during this pandemic, and I'm just I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to possibly do more episodes where we could actually take the Duffy Dome, which is a it's a soundstage, but it's a legit arena that could probably hold like 1300 people like we mm. can we could if the yankees and the white Sox can play a game in iowa at the field of dreams uh stadium that they right. built we could definitely have a full-on five alarm fire AEW pay-per-view in the duffy dome and it would be <laughs> incredible the duffy dome reminds me of a little bit of a bigger ver- version of the pinoca moose hall where I had my first match. <laughs> <laughs> where was that? The Moose Hall. I assume it was in Manitoba. Yeah, no, it was a place called Pinoca, Alberta, which is right in between Edmonton okay. and Calgary. Yeah, right there. Oh, my like, oh, God. Like, yeah. It's right in between. There's nothing in between. There's nothing just a there. highway in between. There's not even a gas station, but there is a Pinoca <laughs> Moose Hall <laughs> that is there. Do you remember how many people were in the crowd? I think about 100 or so. About a, About 100. That's the thing that I've been trying to tell everyone. I'm like... Everyone in the business, everyone has wrestled in a Duffy Dome. Yeah. Because, yeah, 100%. I mean, actually, the Duffy Dome is a lot nicer than places that, that you <laughs> wrestle in. But it really reminds me, like I said, when I worked for, for Smoky Mountain Wrestling in Knoxville, Tennessee, you know, you're going to Morristown and, and, and Hyden, Kentucky and Paintsville, Kentucky and Barberville. And they're just small little towns kind of in these uh, West Virginia, whatever the mountains are called there. I guess the Smoky Mountains, duh. And there's just a lot of families that are have promotions. Uh, a lot of guys just trying to make a living and, and squeaking out. Like I love the point where Ace talks about getting paid fifty bucks for the match, even though he's working on top. And it's like, yeah, that's about right. Fifty. It's funny how fifty bucks was the kind of minimum fee in 1990, and it's still kind of the minimum fee in 2020. <laughs> Inflation has not helped pro wrestling at all. So, from your from your perspective, we we are being accurate with indie wrestling. Absolutely, thus far. Okay. No, and that, and that's why that's why I liked it. You know, and it's it, it's because now there's there's kind of a few wrestling shows between Glow. Glow was a little bit like kind of glitzy and show, and I loved the show, but it was kind of like I didn't really relate to that. This one is something like I've been there, and like I said, I know guys like ace and jack and you know the guys in the back that are 
you know, the, the, the bravado, like, oh, we're going to become millionaires, man. We're going to make it. And you're thinking, this guy, this guy, has he looked in the mirror? Like, what is he even thinking? You know, like the guy, the... The, the the big guy with the masks like the he's a Mexican guy from freaking Georgia oh, whatever yeah, his name that's is a, that's that's my buddy uh, Robbie Ramos and he plays Diego Cottonmouth there you go Diego Cottonmouth like the I'm a snake <laughs> oh, I'm a snake and it's like really so yeah it's very accurate with that but then also the family dynamics I mean obviously growing up in Calgary with the Hart family and then you know there's the Armstrongs in Pensacola and there was. You know, the, 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 this this family dynamic really existed all across the country, you know, back in the 80s and 90s and, and still kind of does this day. So you guys really are kind of nailing it from my perspective, at least, you know. There's a lot of parallels between comic fans and wrestling fans. We'll talk about your experience with that as well. But before we do, a quick reminder from our friends at NHTSA. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. Even if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, just remember this. Don't. Ever. The naked eye trains often appear to be further away, moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take over a mile for a train to stop. Think about that. Over one mile for a train to stop. And by that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. Point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive, The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it could end in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing, stop, because trains can't. And also don't forget the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. Triple Whammy uh, leaves October 21st from Miami to the Grand Bahama Islands. Uh, We had to postpone this a couple times, but we are up and running. Kurt Angle is going to be there. Rock and Roll Express, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Britt Baker, Orange Cassidy, Lance Archer, Striper, Fozzie, Crowbot, Quarantine, uh, Jazz just got announced today. Will Ospreay is going to be there. Uh, so many, many huge, huge names. And, of course, it's just a blast. If you guys have been before, you know how much fun it is. There are still some cabins left at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. So come join us for the vacation of a lifetime. Just kind of as, as we start to kind of wind down here, being Oliver Queen, like you said, on, on Arrow for so long, I always say that, Wrestling fans, Kiss fans, and like comic book fans are super, super loyal, but they're also super crazy in that they love everything, but they hate everything. And being kind of part of the DC universe, was there like a real loyal fan base that was kind of following everything that you do and also picking it apart at the same time? Yeah, but but I, I don't I wouldn't say that they're crazy. Mm-hmm. I would say that they they have they have one very simple expectation of you be it a wrestling fan, a KISS fan, or a comic book fan. Can you just give a shit? They just want you to give a shit. Mm -hmm. They want you to give a shit, and they want you to try. You might do a feud in AEW, WWE, whatever, and maybe it's not the top of the card, and and maybe it doesn't doesn't, uh, pop the crowd the way that you want to, and maybe it's not not a highlight of your career, but – Wrestling fans are going to know if you're involved in giving a shit or if you're phoning it in. It's the same with comic book fans. We did eight seasons of Arrow. And any big fan of the show will be like, I like season one and two. Three was okay. Four sucked. Five was great. Six was eh, Seven was awesome. And right. eight was a nice ending. And, I mean, would they go back and watch season four? Probably not. But at no point in time did anyone ever say to me, oh, you phoned that one in. 
No, we didn't. It just didn't work creatively the way that we wanted it to. So I'm fine with that expectation because in any walk of life that I go through, if I'm interacting with someone, whatever their vocation is, the outcome might not be what I want, but as long as I see that that person's putting in an honest effort, okay, fine. I'm good with it. Yeah. And the thing is too, like, I, like when I was a kid, I was a big DC guy and I always loved the green arrow because I just like kind of, uh, I love the green arrow and the Aquaman because they were kind of ancillary characters. And now, you know, I just like the fact he had an arrow for everything. It's like, no matter what it was, he could (laughs) make an arrow. I need, I can't believe it. We're out of molasses. I have a molasses arrow. I will shoot it into the batter and we'll have pancakes, like whatever it could be. I love the fact that you were able to take this character and make it into such a huge hit uh, for so many years. I mean, obviously, as an actor, you're you're taking the role because it's a it's a lead role in a TV show. But what did you want to bring to this character? And were you a fan of comics and the Green Arrow when you were a kid as you were for wrestling? I wasn't a fan of the Green Arrow as a kid. I read a lot of Superman, Spawn, Lobo. Hmm. I never read Marvel and I never watched WCW. (laughs) It's a weird thing. I, I was I was a WWF and a DC guy before I even knew that I was a WWF and a DC guy. That was a Canadian thing, though. We didn't really have WCW in Canada. I never really watched it either. Well, there it is. There it is. Yeah. I remember. I remember picking up like Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you know, during a summer break, and looking at the magazine and going, "Who the fuck is Ric Flair? Yeah, who are the Von Erichs? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. You don't know who's Dusty Rhodes? Like, yeah. to me." Dusty Rhodes was a guy that showed up in WWE in like 1989. Yeah, with the polka dots. Yeah, exactly. With the polka dots. I had no idea. So I didn't know a ton about the Green Arrow. I got hired in a spot where it it was just like, we think you're the guy for the job. We have a specific idea for the pilot and for the first season. And it was very much themed after the Nolan Batman trilogy. Mm -hmm. And, And it was just like, whatever you guys want me to do, I'll do. And I I didn't really get into the history of the character. It wasn't until the show came out and was a little bit of a hit. And then in the later seasons, we started to get to imbue some of that. But if we ever just started again, I would want to be way more onto the comics more than we did. Hmm. But honestly, man, in that first season, I know this sounds simplistic. I was just trying to get through the day and not suck. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, for me, the the first season of that and playing a character with such a rich history was not very much different than any of my wrestling matches. Just like, can we fake it and hope that people like it? And then towards the end, I started to become more protective of the character and Oliver Queen and the Green Arrow, such a such a rich character. And I hope that I was a good caretaker for it and that someone else in the future can go and grow the goatee in a proper way and and do all the comic-y stuff. You need the blonde goatee that he had with the pointed That's right. thing. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried multiple times to grow the goatee during uh, a <laughs> hiatus. And I'd get I'd get halfway in and my wife would just go, no. No. no yeah, no. no. I'm not no, dealing you. with this thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Was there ever any talk of you doing – Green Arrow in, in like one of the Justice League movies or anything like that? Because I don't think he's ever been on screen. Yeah, there was uh, multiple times. And this is not the politically correct thing to say, but it seems as though WB and DC couldn't get it out of their own way. Oh. Did I just say that out loud? 
yeah, there there was there there was talk about it. There was talk about there was talk about a movie. There was there was talk about a bunch of things, and they couldn't get out of their own way. And mm-hmm. then the moment that I was leaving the show, all of a sudden Ezra Miller is showing up on the last episode of Arrow, and they're merging the universes. And uh, and I remember having I had multiple meetings, 2013, 14, 15, talking about all of this, and it had the support of a bunch of people who are the best at what they do in terms of DC products right now. And it just had a couple of other people that were like, no, we can't do that. Well, they could of, and they have thereafter. So maybe that's reflective of me, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It sucked because w- what do you want? Like as someone that's producing content, you want fans to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So just do stuff that do stuff that's going to make the fans happy me being involved in the movies would have made the fans happy or Grant Gustin or Melissa Benoist or doesn't matter or David Ramsey if they're doing a Green Lantern series for HBO Max and they want to bring him in that's going to make the fans happy but they mm-hmm. couldn't I don't know they seem like the they were politics. cutting off the nose despite their face sure I guess but who's yeah whatever I don't know above my pay grade right <laughs> Last couple questions. Will you ever have another match again, do you think? I don't know, Chris. I'm flirting with divorce if I get back in the ring. Oh, <laughs> now you got that to worry about, right? So no goatee and no match. No goatee, no goatee, no match, except that except that I, I actually would I would really like to get back in the ring simply because you know I've actually finally done some good training. And, you know, I'd love to get back. I would love to get back to the ring and just be able to, like we talked about earlier, be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with more experience. But I would need someone like you. I would need someone like you to take care of me. I'll guide you through it, kid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Last two questions. What's your favorite match that you've ever seen? And what's your favorite role you've ever played that's not the arrow? Uh live? Match wise, either one. Live or or watching on on pay-per-view or TV or whatever. In terms of live match, it's a tie between. Oh boy, might be a it might be a three way tie. Jake the Snake and the Million Dollar Man at WrestleMania <laughs> six. Nice. I was in the in the building. Hogan versus Rock at eighteen. Nice. Yeah. It was not the main event of that show, but was the match that. Uh, it was that, the match everyone came was. to see. Let's be honest. <laughs> I felt I felt a little bad for you and Hunter. That was hey, you want to you, you want to talk politics? I said we cannot go on after Hogan and Rock. It's a suicide mission, and he was like, "No, the championship must go on last." And I was like, "Dude, y- you know, you, I wouldn't want to box after Tyson and Ali either." And that's what we've got going on right here. So I I'm with you, man. I I also felt bad. The, the match right after that was was Trish Stratus yeah. winning. Winning the winning the well, I guess at the time the Divas Championship, like yeah, in her hometown, love Trish, and so there's that. And God damn it, did I lo- I rewatched the Cody and Dustin match? Oh, from, yeah. from Dublin from Double Double nothing. nothing. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I, I I don't think that there's ever been storytelling like that. I just I thought it was so wonderful. I loved it. Amazing. Absolutely amazing! An incredible moment for sure. What What was yours growing up before you got before you got into Savage it? Savage and Steamboat WrestleMania three? That was the one I always loved the most, and I, I love the Rockers and and uh, you know Owen Hart and those guys. But Savage Steamboat was still the one I can still watch that today and appreciate that as a fan. 
you know, uh, and, you know, as a professional as well, but as a fan, I can still get in, engrossed into that. Still the classic cool. classic. So and what's your favorite role that you've ever played that that's not arrow. Jeez. Um, I played uh, a guy named Kyle on the first season of new girl. Remember that show? New girl. I don't. It was a, it was a Zoe Deschanel and oh, okay yeah, it, yeah 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 sure. yeah sure yeah 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 anyway I, I love that because I got to I got to do comedy and I, I got super high on mushrooms or something <laughs> as the character and it was just I just got to do the scene in like a park in uh, in LA in LA where I'm just on a swing <laughs> uh, my character's dating uh, my friend Hannah Simone and. I'm going on the swing saying, I love brown people. I love brown people <laughs> like that as I'm going up and down. That was a blast. So Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. Well, dude, uh, it's been great talking to you and I'm glad that our DMS finally paid off and uh, congratulations on heels. It's a great show. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at one of our shows again, one of these days and get to say hi again in person. Oh, I was going to try and be there. Well, I don't know when this is going to air. I was going to try to be there this evening, but, uh, but I, I can't, but I'm hoping to see you guys when you get to uh, Flushy Meadows, New York in September. Is that Arthur Ashe Stadium? Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, is that man. is that what I can – Is can I debut the uh, – come on, baby. Come on, baby. Yeah, that's the Fiuki pose. <laughs> Don't forget the name, the Fiuki pose, the come on, baby. The, the Fiuki <laughs> pose. Could you, do, do me a favor. Bring that back. The next chance you get. Oh, I, do, I use it from time to time. I uh, maybe I'll okay, throw it in. Okay. Uh, I'll throw it in my next match just for you. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> what a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, dude. Great to talk to you, man. All right. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs>